Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Royer. And I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz. Hi, Kat. I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Adam Bertram. Adam is also known as Adam the Automator, who describes himself as an entrepreneur, hustler, husband, dad, automator, content producer, published author, Microsoft MVP, DevOps pro, and passionate problem solver. Just, you know, to name a few things he does. And in early August, Adam wrote a blog post titled, I told my boss I quit and... And he was really open around his desire to plan his life more and focus on what he loves to do. We are going to explore Adam's career and personal journey and learn what he's learned. Welcome, Adam. We're super excited to have you on the show today and learn more about you and talk about a bunch of uh, career-related things today. So welcome. Thanks. Yeah, feel free to introduce yourself to our guest in your own words. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm Adam Bertram. I am, you know, tech guy by heart, been a an engineer, system administrator in some shape, form, or fashion for going on 23 years now. You know, and since that time, it's been a, quite the uh, quite the road. Started out as a, you know, in the a help desk and went up my career. And generally, I was always always one of those that, you know, kind of thought uh, your job was your job was your job. You get a good job, you go to you go to school, you get a good job, and you go from there. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I got more into the technical communities, sharing, you know, I didn't know, writing a blog post, uh, you know, getting involved, doing conferences and speaking and that sort of thing. I realized that your job is not just your job. There's so many other so many other ways to get out there. And I think that's one thing that we're going to talk about in the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, welcome. We're, we're really happy to have you here today. Thanks. So, Adam, tell us a little bit about the moments before. So the whole, the blog post is you quit your job. I told my boss I quit and walk us through kind of the, how did you get to the point where you said I'm quitting? Like walk us through through that kind of like mental exercise, if you will. Yeah. I'll I'll kind of give you the the breakdown. So as you mentioned, I did, I wrote a, a blog post earlier in August but I actually started my first one that I actually had quit my job two or three years ago. And during that time, you know, you, you go through a period, at least I did in my career, where I was a big job hopper early in my career. So I was all about um, where can I make the most money? And I had, gosh, probably close to seven or eight jobs by the time I was probably 15 years in. And at some point, I realized that, you know, I needed to have some kind of, of, of side hustle. So at the time, I started a used book business, actually, selling used books by the ton on Amazon, by the literal ton. And I uh, started a used book business. And I decided that, like, I discovered, wow, there's actually a way that you can make money not in your job and with the freedom and the flexibility that comes with, you know, the schedule that you can maintain. And since then, it, that's kind of morphed into what a lot of people call a lifestyle business, where uh, you take, do lots of training, you do mostly online business things like um, doing training courses, writing, blogging, doing YouTube, all these sort of things. And eventually, I kind of came to the point where I realized that, you know, this is this is what I want to do. And as a few years ago, um, I kind of took the leap 
and went from full-time employment to a contract, which was kind of the the middle ground, the stepping stone. And then once I I uh, did that, then I realized, wow, I could actually do this because all throughout those years, I was building up different income streams and different opportunities for myself, getting to know lots of different people out there. And to eventually now, I since went back to a full-time job for about a month because I, I decided those were, the, those were the days when uh, you know the, the finances were getting tight and uh, I had a, went through a failed startup and I'm like, well, I'll just get a job again. But then I realized, you know, can't take it. It's not for me. Um, and uh, yeah, since then, it's been great. I seem to be on a good roll these days. There's always, you know, something to, to worry about. But on the, on the flip side, you have the ultimate freedom to do whatever you want. And uh, coming back to that blog post, that blog post was one situation that uh, that, re- that actually spurred from uh, a situation that came up in my contract job. I actually have a contract job again now because luckily I've uh, uh, I get a lot of uh, recruiters asking me because I actually I am have been involved in uh, doing all these side things, and and one job came through like wow that sounds great you know you you know work from home do what you do what you want just you know kind of get it done so that was uh, that blog post actually came from one of the um, experiences I had after I had quit my job. Great. So it sounds like there wasn't anything driving you away from your job, but it was more like a, you know, you discovered that you had this passion about creating content and entrepreneurial type stuff. And so I think that that's fascinating. Maybe you could speak a little bit more to that. So, yeah, I mean, when I came from lots of different jobs, some of them I hated, some of them that I, that I love, but at the end of the day, I was always wanting to work on my side hustle. So I would, whatever it was at the time, um, whether it be a, a, an, an online business, a blog, something that I felt control of. That's what I really like having the ultimate control and the ultimate freedom to do what you want. And, you know, at, at some point I just finally came to the realization that, okay, I've saved up a little bit of money throughout the years doing all the side hustle things. And I really love the, I love being an entrepreneur, having complete freedom of what I want to do. I never wanted to be a big CEO, a founder of a company managing people. That really was never what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to be more of the lifestyle business, the personal one man, the one man show. That's what I've been throughout these years. And that's what I really enjoy doing. I think that's one thing that really harp on to other people on the, the blog and on podcasts like this is like, you know, you can step outside your comfort zone and really you know, make something, make something greater than what you currently are. And your, you know, your job is, is, uh, you know, not your career. Yeah. The magic is always outside of our comfort zone. It's just sometimes we might need a little push or a little bit of encouragement. Yep. Especially people in my circle, we're all, uh, we're all techies and introverts and nobody, everybody's putting their head down. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to each other sort of thing. And, you know, very, uh, very uncomfortable. Like I, I was telling you earlier, before we got on the podcast, if I can do it, anyone can. I love that. That's so, uh, that, that's so inspirational. It's true. So it's interesting. So when you talk about like the side hustles and you're working for yourself independently, but in the tech jobs, you're working for someone else, whether it's as a contractor employee. And so, but you said when you were an employee, you were kind of thinking about the side hustles. So I'd love to hear how you balance everything because you've got, I would say, and tell me if I'm wrong, the main source of income around the IT work. And then you've got all these other income streams that support that and make it so that you can kind of pick and choose what you do in that main part of the income. But 
you're balancing a lot at once. Plus you're get, you have a family and all these other things. So how do you keep all the juggling working? Well, it was, it's a lot easier now than what it was a few years ago. Now, since I had focused on passive income for a long time for, um, I did a lot of training courses for Pluralsight, for LinkedIn, you know, books, lots of things that I specifically focused on of passive income, knowing that if I do these for long enough, you know, we can reap the rewards over time. And luckily, I don't have to do near as much as what I used to because the, the ball is kind of rolling on a lot of these things already. And I balance it now, well, primarily because I always say it's because of my my lovely wife. She takes care of uh, the huge majority of the house things, you know, taking care of the kids while I'm down here. Like we say, I'm a, my ham, I'm a hamster on a wheel. You want you need to go down your go down in your office hole down here. I'm in a in a basement and just go run on the wheel for a little bit and crank out some money, sort of thing. So my wife my wife's really great about you know letting me. She knows I have a lot of passion for my career and what I do. Um, and to get involved. And it wasn't without her. Um, I could never manage all this at once. I would just, you know, go crazy. But as far as, you know, managing, there's different kind of arms of what I do. You know, one of them is um, the tech, the contract job. So consulting, you know, I'm in the, in the DevOps space. So I do a lot of automation and, and DevOps work. And that's a, that's one part. And then you also have, that's the part that I've always traditionally done. You know, you get paid um, you get paid by the hour. You do your work. You're, you know, you're typing away, and then there's there's another arm, which is the the community arm, the um, the content creation. That's another big one. Completely separate expertise, but I'm so glad that I started doing that because I, it not only helped me out through you know getting to know people, getting my name out there, and building up these other income streams for blogging articles and writing and all that stuff. But at the same time, as I was writing these things, I was learning more about what the topic was. So my my usual thing is I don't do it as much anymore, but but at when I first got started, I would just write about things that I was working with in my job. You know, came across this cool way to do something in PowerShell or this, I don't know, some kind of cool little thing that I thought I'd share. And I would just constantly do that. I made a habit to do that with my blog every week or so. And um, that really helped me digest what I was trying to do because at sometimes I was in the middle of a project and I would just be writing away on it, documenting, oh, I did this, I did this. Oh yeah, I need to do this. So it really helped me with not only uh, uh, helping other people when they come across my blog, but at the same time, it really helped me learn more about the technology because sometimes I actually had to go and do research, figure out, okay, how do I explain this? And then, you know, do some research. So it really helped me at the same time as well. I don't know if that answers your question or not. I tend to go and rant sometimes whenever I'm rambling. So feel free to interrupt me. No, I think I'm, I'm really glad you shared that because, you know, I've met several folks who, you know, started with a blog and that led them to, you know, career opportunities, expanding their network and really kind of helped them to establish, you know, a personal brand for themselves it sounds like that's, you know, that's what's, what happened with you. And it probably has, it probably helps you to, you know, bring, brings business in, in the form of contracts, as well as other types of business, right? Because yeah. people know who you are. And, and I love that you talked about just, you know, sharing what you were learning because it's that kind of helpful information that, you know, that people, you know, really benefit from, right? There's a service element in that. And, you know, Liz and I, Liz and I both really enjoy that part of our roles, right? Where we can actually help people. And I, I maybe you could speak to that a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm the type of person, I, I have a tendency to just automatically want to share what I'm doing. I, it's just kind of been in my nature for a, a long time, even if I'm, you know, right now I'm starting to learn about stock trading. You know, I, a few months ago, I had no, nothing, no idea about stock trading, but I've already started a blog and started writing on it. So it's like, I can't, um, whenever I want to learn something, I automatically want to share. I, I actually have a, a, an ebook that I wrote a, a while back that's saying, I can't remember what it was like, learn, do, share, learn something, then you do it, and then you share it. It's just this cycle that I tend to go through, and it's really helped me out um, significantly on, you know, on what you were saying about, uh, you know, a personal brand. At first, I, I, I had no intentions of, uh, I had no idea what a brand was. I had no idea of being a, you know, people say, oh, you're a quote-unquote influencer. I was, I never intended to do that, but it just seemed to kind of happen over time, not necessarily because it was my goal, but it was more of the money and um, the exposure and things that came along with it. It was more of a side benefit, I guess, of just kind of sharing what I know. Um, you know, and since then, you know, a lot of other people have seen the, the benefit of that kind of process that I have, especially in marketing, because you know, nowadays it's all about influencer marketing and especially in tech space. Techs, uh, you know, IT pros and sysadmins and, and developers—they don't—they they see through the salesy kind of stuff, the fluff of just selling stuff. And uh, another big passion of mine is technical writing. Uh, they're all about, you know, we need real value that needs to be given to, you know, the cust the potential customer or the lead. Once they you give them actual value and try to sell them something, that whole ecosystem there has really helped me out too, get in more in the the content marketing space. And it helps you broaden what you can do. So if I was advising you as a career coach, not that you've asked, but I would say you might want to have more than one resume, one more sysadmin, one more tech marketing, tech writing, content creation. And so you could market yourself, if you will, for different roles that could be all could be interesting to you that you're qualified for all of them. You're just opening up your possibilities. Yep. Yep. I do. I definitely do have two resumes already. <laughs> yep. My, my writing one was, I kind of have the two arms, you know, you mm -hmm. have your, your content creation one, and then you have right. your, you know, consulting one. Yep. Totally. And that's so smart, especially when the two are related, but they're not probably in the same job. You can apply to different jobs with different descriptions and be equally qualified, but one resume is not going to do that for you. Yep. Have you ever done Strengths Finder? Have you ever done your top five strengths? I have, but I don't recall what my results were. It's I wouldn't be surprised based on what you've shared if learning is one of your top five strengths. It's one of mine. And so the way that you've got it set up, it, it, the way that you've got your business set up is great because you're continuously learning and continuously keeping yourself, keeping your work interesting, right? And mm -hmm. I think that having interesting work is really important for people who value learning. Right. Yeah. Once, once you've yeah. once you've mastered it, it's great to know something and it's great to have expertise. But there's something about that learning process and that that desire to learn that certainly for me, I, I need to keep that kindled or else I might get a little bored. Yeah, I get bored very quickly. Just you can just ask my wife. I always tend to have <laughs> some kind of some kind of pet project or um, some kind of thing, because my my, my personality, I dive in head first, probably almost to an obsession sometimes whenever I get really interested in something. And it just tends to to go from this to this. I don't know what the, I don't know how I stumble across things, but it's like, I tend to 
go, she says, well, you just know everything about this one particular topic and then you get bored of it and then you go on again, which is completely true. I don't know. I don't know how I do that, but yeah, you probably are. I just love learning new things and, uh, and then sharing them. I think it's innate. I, honestly, like I have a, one of my kids is like one day he knows everything about the presidents and the next day it's skyscrapers and tallest buildings and where each building is. And then he's on to football. Like it just, and I think that kind of natural curiosity, but to not curiosity across, but then to go deep and then something else catches you and you go deep there. I think that's just a learning style. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I've never been one to just get have a, a minor interest in lots of things. It's always very focused on this than this than this. I don't know, um, you know, it must be just my personality, but I've always been like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that it's innate. So I asked a question a bit ago and I kind of went in two directions. Talk a little bit about working for others versus working your, for yourself and kind of how you've come to navigate the two and also how that kind of feeds into your entrepreneurial spirit. Like I alluded to a little bit ago, I, I've always had the, the kind of personality, the, the entrepreneurial spirit. I know not, I really don't think the majority of people have the kind of spirit like that an entrepreneur has of like, they're just always not, they're not, they're never going to be happy regardless of the job. I've, I've had, I've had a, a few jobs where Everyone was great. I had no complaints whatsoever. Complete flexibility, great coworkers, excellent pay benefits, and I still wasn't happy. At that point, I realized that, you know, everything is perfect. For someone that enjoyed having a job, this would be the perfect experience, but I was never happy. At that point, when I realized that I had, I couldn't, I couldn't say anything bad about my current situation, but I still wasn't happy. That's the point that I finally realized, you know, I, I can't do the job thing. And the biggest difference between the two, once I had that realization of like, I can never have a full-time job and be happy, that was a big weight lifted off my shoulder because, you know, throughout the years I was brought up, um, I wasn't brought up by any kind of entrepreneurial family. I didn't have any friends that were entrepreneurs that did any kind of, everybody had their job, their nine to five, you know, came home, did the the personal family stuff on the weekends and, uh, you know, did it again over and over again. I never around that. I don't know how I got into this, but yeah, the, the biggest thing for me, once I started to, I realized that I am, I'm not really, I'm an unemployable. I like to call myself as unemployable because I could never be uh, employed. And once I came to that realization, um, it was a big weight that lifted off my shoulders. And at that point, you know, there's been some ups and, ups and downs. I tried a, a startup and didn't make near as much money as what I wanted to kind of burn through my savings. But through that time, even though I was burning through my savings and, and the, the stress was really getting to me and my the family, I was realized that I was still happy. You know, I still love what I do. And it really didn't matter about the money. That's another big thing that really, that's really different to me that I've, I've come to realize that it, uh, I don't work for the money. I work for the, uh, my curiosity, the, um, you know, the passion, the fulfillment that I have and the freedom that I have. That's another big thing. So the, the big thing that I came away with, um, had being employed versus, um, being on my own was this, the ultimate freedom, because at the end of the day, you don't, you're not building you're not building income and generating money just because for money's sake, you know, money is just a means to an end. And for me, it's because it's the freedom. I have the money. 
I have the money to have the freedom to do what I want. You know, I'm talking to you on this podcast at 3.30 my time. I could have done it this morning. I could have done it anytime. The same thing with, you know, I started day work. I had some things to do this morning. So I started work at 10 a.m. I mean, because, you know, my schedule is very flexible in what I can do. And that's one thing. Another big thing when I started difference, when I started the job working on my own, was the uh, the blending of the two, like the blending of my personal and work. I know some people are different with this, but I don't ever believe in I don't believe in work life balance. It's more like work life integration for me because everything you know. Since I'm I work from home, I don't go into an office. I don't have an office. I work for myself. So and everything is online. So I don't really need to go anywhere. So it's essentially. I come down here to my office from upstairs and then, and then I work or I maybe take my laptop into onto the couch or, you know, catch up on, you know, whatever, what I need to do. But um, that's one of the big things that not, I know that a lot of people struggle with is separating the two. But me, since I, I love what I do, I will quote unquote, I always say quote unquote work because on, on the vacations and I, I, I tend to, I don't really call it work. I just, to me, it's just called living. It's just doing different things at different times. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the freedom is really important to you. And I liked what you said about accepting and knowing what it is that you want. And I think that that can be different for every person, but getting clear on that really is the first step to finding that personal freedom, right? So congratulations to you for that, because I bet, I bet once you accepted that things kind of rolled out a little bit more smoothly for you. Yeah, it definitely did. Like I say, whenever I finally realized that I'm not meant, I I'm you know I'm the type of person that uh, I I can't make a decision easily. A lot of times I hem haul around and try to row the way the pros and cons. Well, it's good money, it's good insurance. I am the sole breadwinner, so I can't. Um, you know, there's going to be some pressure there. But you know, at that one point when I when I just sat down and realized that you know everything is perfect, I could not say it's the bad thing about my job. And I realized, and I just still wasn't happy after time and time again. And I finally realized after I made that decision of, okay, I am unemployable. I just, this cannot work. And whatever I do, whatever I do, I have to make something else work. So that's when I started really focusing on, you know, doing my own thing and getting involved with my own business. Mm -hmm. And then supplementing with contracts, which is so smart. I've had a, I've had a contract for 10 years with one client and, it's been, it's been really great. The work has evolved and I know them very, very well. And now I started off recruiting and now I do leadership consulting with them and, you know, things like re- I do completely different things, but, but because we've been working together for so long, I, I really know them. I understand how they think. And it's really fun to, to be able to continue to work with them in a different capacity and having that side gig, right. Or that, that contract, allows me to, you know, to take risks and other aspects of my business. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of contracts and Definitely Liz, you know, diversify. <laughs> yeah. Liz, you're, you're, you do long-term contracting too, or I, I'm a long-term relationship kind of girl yes. and uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be doing biz dev a lot. And so it's right. a relationship based business, but I think as someone who I, and I've had to over the years put parameters on work and life, but there are times where I'm in the office. I'm at, you know, I run over to school, you know, in the times when that's a thing, run over to school to pick up something, come back. I get my work done, but my life and my work, they complement each other and I get it all done, but it's not like 
hard and fast work time, not work time. And, you know, we're still in the time of COVID. I've got two middle schoolers, you know, the internet will go out or someone needs access to YouTube because it's not on their computers. I'm constantly going back and forth and that's okay because I've figured out how to make it work for me as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a mom, all of it is getting juggled on a daily. And if you can't have blurry lines, it's harder. All of the multiple roles need need mm-hmm. attention and you know, to, to be able to do them the way that you need to do them is one of the freedoms of being able to be you know, an entrepreneur and a business owner, right? Uh, yeah. I, I highly respect you. You can be do the mom role and the entrepreneur role at the same time. Mad props to you. She's <laughs> amazing. She's amazing. You know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Liz. She's, she's the best recruiter I know. And she's an excellent career coach and advisor to leaders. And she's a pretty damn good mom too. Thank you. But it's, I will say, I've, now I'm at year 13 of the juggle and it's, <laughs> something I'm constantly evolving and working on every day because it's real. You got to adapt and adjust. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about uncertainty and I watched your car video about that day you quit. And I want to talk through kind of the feelings and the anxiety because I think part of being an entrepreneur and especially you are the main breadwinner in your house, it's different is not knowing what's next, not having that certainty that even though it kills you slowly in other ways, the nine to five gives you. Mm -hmm. So talk about how you kind of come to grips with that, wrestle with it, hold it off around kind of that anxiety and feelings around uncertainty. Yep, definitely. So I think that I was able to ward off that to some degree by dabbling in other businesses while I was working full-time. You know, I, I would have never just, you know, up and quit. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of ask me that same question. Like, well, how did you, how did you do it? You know, how did you, um, you know, get the, the courage to, to quit your job um, the, that first time? And I, you know, I said it, it wasn't, you know, a lot of people think it's, a, it's an overnight thing. It's a, a, an overnight success or something like that. It's like, you have to, I spent years and years. I mean, gosh, it was 10 years or something of doing various hustles on the side, you know, building a, a used book business, going through cleaning tens of thousands of books for my first venture and selling them, trying to figure out a process, working out logistics and um, I had a couple employees get dealing with all that on the side. And then after that, it was starting a blog on how to sell used books. And that got me into internet marketing and all these things. And I had all this while I was working a full-time job. So it was a big, stressful undertaking for a while, but I loved doing that so much. I, um, I just kept doing it over and over and just grinding away every day. I think by the time I was able to 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 quit my job. It really wasn't. I mean, it was it was a little scary, but to be honest with you, it really wasn't that scary because it was something I was planning on doing, although not purposely, for for many years. I mean, I had a, a nice nest egg saved up, and um, I said, "Well, I'm going to do it." And by that time, since I had been doing you know doing the whole blogging thing um, for a while, being a Microsoft MVP, networking, getting to know lots of people in the in, in various industries, 
I said, what's the worst that could happen? I'll just fail and I get another job. So um, that's my, what was my thought was. It really wasn't a whole lot of anxiety. And there was, I mean, sure, there was times when, you know, um, when we were going through an estate, I was definitely not making hardly any money at all. And we were getting down there pretty low. But I mean, but at the same time, I always kind of had that, you know, uh, that, that card I could play. Well, I can always just get a job again if I wanted to. And I was able to do that just because, you know, I kind of got out and, you know, did my hustling thing and just put in many, many days of many long hours. And really, there wasn't a whole lot of anxiety. I'm just thankful that I was able to kind of plan for that a few years in advance and have it to the point that that snowball up and rolling by the time that they come, you know, it really, was, it really wasn't a huge transition. Yeah, I think a key to your success was around the diversity of things you did and also setting that knowing because you had jumped from job to job that you could get another job. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's probably true. I was a job popper. I mean, I had many jobs before I quit, but you're probably right. If somebody has just been in one job their entire career, Mm -hmm. that would be extremely scary to know to not be used to that process. Totally. But I, you know, when I quit a nine-year job, I was like, well, I'm going to try this for a year. I've got my first client lined up. And if this, if that's my only client I ever have, I can go do what I was doing before again. But Mm -hmm. it's that thought process of, and confidence to know that you can go back. If if this is a really bad idea, I've got an exit plan. Yeah. It's the unknown. That's the, that's the biggest thing that's scary. Yeah. I yeah. think having an exit plan is really important and having some parameters around that so that those boundaries can support you. Yeah, I think we had, um, I had talked with my wife but before I had quit to say, well, we, we, if we get down in our savings to this amount, then I'm going to start looking for another job. Mm-hmm. And we, I kind of went down a little bit farther than that, but <laughs> that's a week, that was the big thing we can, but there has to be some kind of threshold, like how painful is this going to get until I have to actually start getting another job again. We came up with a number. And then when we got close to that, you know, you kind of have that, use that as an indicator of like, okay, now we're down. Oh, we're getting very close now. So then I'm kind of getting that mindset of like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to try to look for another job. And I would casually send out applications here and there. And then eventually I did get another job for a while. Then since I was miserable again, I quit again. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's always, you know, you always have to have some kind of threshold, some kind of limit that says I'm going to go back to a job if I have to at, you know, this point. Yeah. Very smart. Very, very smart. Well, that's a smart partner thing to do Mm -hmm. too, because it's not just you, it's your family. And so your wife's comfort level has to be taken into account because you don't want her sitting there freaking out and you're like, oh no, I'm entrepreneur. You know, it's all good. Like it's... She's used to that by now, I think. (laughs) At this point, she probably... At this point, yeah, yeah. She definitely didn't know what she was signing up for when we got married 17 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you guys have really figured out how to make it work for you, which Mm -hmm. again, it's, we're all so different and we're all unique and what works, you know, it's about figuring out what works for each of us individually. Mm -hmm. So I want to switch gears a little bit in your blog post. In one of your blog posts, you mentioned FU money. And it's funny because Liz and I worked with someone who literally checked his FU bank account every time he was mad at his boss. So if you could tell us a little bit about the power of FU money and how it changes your relationship with work, that would be really great. Yep. So yeah, that blog post that you're referring to came from a situation that I recently found with just a few weeks ago in my contract job. 
So that concept, I had heard about FU money for a long time. And in the background, it's something that I had been trying to accumulate for a long time, trying to get the freedom that I needed. So basically, to really define it, FU money is more of a, you don't have to take shit from anyone sort of money, where you can just, if somebody makes you makes you mad, you're miserable at your job, just quit. Just, just say, you know, I'm gone. Or you you sort of have that that security in the background of where well, I have my FU money. So FU, I'm gone. And that was one of the, the big things I've talked about in that blog post was that I've used that kind of concept that, uh, you know, that nest egg that I built up over time. I always have that in the back of my head and think, if I'm miserable at what I'm doing, FU, I'm gone. I don't need it because I, I always have that courage to do that because I have something in the background to lean on. And I've used, I haven't really, I've said FU to my boss or anything, but uh, I've used that kind of security that I feel of, of having to feel more confident in, in my work and the, the clients that I take on and uh, really how happy I am. So, you know, for example, in this um, most recent instance, um, you know, I had my, uh, my boss at my, my contract job had said, hey, we need to put you on a new team and work on this new project. And I you know, thought, great, um, you know, I enjoy what I do um, right now where I wouldn't have the contract job. So I enjoy the work, but I was on a team where my colleague, did, we did not get along whatsoever. You know, one of those, it's not going to work sort of things. And uh, rather than just dealing with it and just maybe being passive aggressive about things, I had the really the courage to say, you know, in a roundabout way, I don't want to play the FU card here, but I kind of gave him the ultimatum of like, I cannot work with this person. I'm going to have to, something's going to have to change. Or basically in a roundabout way, I said, I'm going to quit. And I think once you kind of have that courage and that security behind you to really be as direct like that, it was, you can get a lot more of what you want rather than just being passive aggressive things like, well, I, maybe it'll get better or, you know, send out these snarky emails and like, you know, it just, it doesn't work. If you more, di- if you can be more direct about what you need, what you want out of your, uh, your job or whatever your role and know that worst case scenario, you're fired. I was to the point where I'm like, that's, that's fine. Just, you know, I quit or, you know, get rid of me because I know I can always go on to do something else or I have my FU money on the side to, to do that. But yeah, that post was really fun to write just simply because I was pretty proud of myself because I was, I'm getting to the point now in my career where, you know, I don't have to take shit from anybody. I don't have to, to do this. I don't have to do this thing. I hate, I don't have to do this podcast with you guys. If I don't want to, I don't really have to do lots of things that I don't want to do anymore just because I have a, a fair amount of FU money on the side that uh, that's able to support me. Well, and also I think it's it's really important to know when it's not a good fit working with someone mm-hmm. and, and to honor that. I mean, to, to have the freedom to be able to do that. Not everyone has that freedom, but you know, you've built up a situation where you do have that freedom. And, and when it's not a good fit, the best work isn't happening right? Because there's the interpersonal kind of challenges, right? Which that, that takes energy and that energy goes away from the work. So, you know, knowing, knowing yourself well enough to know that this, you know what, this person may be great. It's just not, that person's just not a good fit for me to work with and, Mm -hmm. and, and being clear with, you know, the person that you're, you know, your client, I think that's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I, at some point you, 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 you sort of feel bad because my, my client was great. You know, I have no, no problems at all with the way I did. You, you sort of, you sort of feel bad because you like, I, 
I don't want to rock the boat. I'm not the type of person that causes drama. I don't want to rock the boat by by any means. But at the same time, you know, I, I realize, you know, uh, my my happiness and my family's happiness and my wife is hearing about this on the daily about how unhappy I was. And, you know, it comes to the point where you have to, I talked in the blog, the original one before I edited, you know, be an asshole. You have to be an asshole some, at some point to, to really stand up for yourself and, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say and, and back it up with what you're going to say, you know, be kind of forceful because that's one thing that that's a, a, an attitude, not a lot of, um, you know, introverted IT people tend to have, you know, it's tend to be, you know, your passive aggressive email here and there and just, you know, complaining and just, you know, getting drunk on the weekends or something to make right. up for it. I, I think, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that you had clear boundaries and you knew what was going to work for you and what wasn't going to work for you. So I don't even see it as being an asshole. I just see it as being clear, clear on what's going to work and how you're going to be able to do your best work. And I think yeah. that's, I think that that is, that's a great skill to have developed, a, you know, a great, you know, to be able to know, to know yourself well enough to know what's going to work and what isn't. And, it, you know, I don't see anything jerky about that at all. Mm-mm. And I see it as you've enabled yourself to have choices. And mm-hmm. what FU money is, is it's choice. It's like, if I can't make rent, I have to show up for work, whether I like it or not. If I have FU money, I choose every day whether mm-hmm. I show up to work. Yeah, exactly. If I have it's multiple so, revenue streams, I choose. Yeah. And so, it's much more empowering to choose than, yeah. to be, yes. than to be stuck or to feel like you don't have choice. And the reality is we... We do have choice, uh, but the FU money does help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like nowadays, it's it's a lot easier than it was at first. I'm just glad that I started that snowball years ago mm-hmm. of getting mm-hmm. to kind of so you know, this point because I've definitely been there. I mean, that's what uh, the problem is. A, a lot of, um, I think a, a lot of people that are, you know, miserable, they don't really like the, what they're doing is because they see, oh, I could eventually get there. Maybe, maybe in, you know, five, seven years, but oh, that's so far away. So I'm not even going to start. They don't even kind of take that first step of, you know, starting a blog or, you know, doing something like that of, of, of really, you know, stepping out of their comfort zone. And I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely was there. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about what you look for when someone says, all right, you're an entrepreneur, Adam, you've got, you've got all these revenue streams. You've got all this going on. What do you think makes someone as successful? And I'm not talking financial successful, but I'm talking about successful at getting it going and doing it. What do you counsel people uh, when you're asked around the decisions you've made? Curiosity and interest. I had a coworker long ago that was saying, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. And I always say, well, I think you can do anything with enough time, money, or time or interest. If you have, you know, if you have the interest, if you're passionate about something, um, just just do it because you're never going to be, in my opinion, you're never going to be successful at what you do if you don't like what you're doing. I mean, if you really enjoy what you're doing, you'll just innately want to learn more about it. If you enjoy it, if you just want to keep doing that thing that makes you happy, I mean, it's just our biological response. And I think that some people think that, well, maybe they're, um, maybe they're stuck in, in what they do. Maybe they are, um, you know, think that um, I'm just, uh, I'm just a, a sysadmin, right? I just work on, you know, Hyper-V or VMware or this one particular area. And I think, well, this is me. They, they really attach their identity to what they're doing. And they really have a hard time s- separating themselves from that identity. And when they realize that, 
oh, you can have wear multiple hats. You can be a consultant guy or you can be what else makes you happy? Well, you can be, a, I don't know, I've always been a big fan of using a hobby and monetizing a, a hobby. So that goes back to the whole lifestyle online business thing of if you if you, you know, like, I don't know, camping, for example, this is one this is one way that I've always tried to to really blend what I love to do versus making money and making a living from it was my going back to my my used book business. I learned a ton starting a business selling books on Amazon and eBay and other things like that. So I started a blog of teaching people how to do that. That that blog then turned into ebooks, which then turned into selling ads on the blog of like trying to just monetize that. And I loved writing for it and building content because I loved actually doing it day. So that during the day I would, um, you know, uh, run the business and do whatever you do, learn whatever you do. And then at night or in the evenings, I would write some blog posts and write some content about it. That kind of really got the, the ball growing and it really, um, it really grew from there. And had nothing to do with your day job. Correct. Yeah, absolutely nothing to do with my day job. <laughs> that's a, that's another big thing. You know, you have your your day job. I'm I I'm never not everybody's like this, but I have lots of uh, various interests. I tend to be obsessed about one thing at a time, but they seem to be random things all the time. And here recently, it's, it's stock trading. Then it was uh, RC cars. The last time in a, a startup, a technical startup, my wife says like, "Oh, you're just." You're nuts because you you always have some kind of interest and you go on to the next. That's kind of how I've been, and I, I think it's really um, helped over time, though, with uh, you know my career and really just being happy with with what I do. But I think that's also IT. I mean, if you are stuck in IT, only learning one language or one technology, and that's all you'll ever do, you're hosed. Mm-hmm. So that natural, I want to learn the next thing or I want to keep learning. I mean. As Kat said, with strength finders, like that's probably helped your IT career as well as all these other side businesses. Yeah, the, the whole DevOps thing, getting because I was really liked automation and uh, <laughs> the DevOps movement, getting all that. That's where now I'm really trying to push people learn. My forte is is PowerShell. Learn PowerShell, mm-hmm. how to automate this thing, automate this thing. You're never yeah. going to automate yourself out of a job and really mm-hmm. learn more cloud computing, learn more, you know, developer things. SysMNs have a tendency to, to hate, you know, writing code. Like I'm not a developer. Um, mm-hmm. That's another big thing. Like everyone's a developer now that you need to learn software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adam, can you speak a little bit to the power of community to support your career? Yep. That's highly, highly encouraged. To give you a, a story, like I was telling you, whenever I was, um, Years ago, whenever I was, um, you know, in a, I was a sysadmin, I would constantly just make a habit of starting uh, writing a blog about something I was working on on the daily. It doesn't matter what it was, some kind of interesting thing I'd like to document for myself that I may want to come back to later, or maybe I thought this is something I have never heard of, maybe a unique solution. So I started the uh, the blog, and you know, eventually I thought, well, nobody's going to read it. I'm just going to uh, this is going to be my own personal thing. But eventually. It got ranked in Google for some post, and I started hearing from people, hearing from people saying, thank you so much. I was, this saved me so much time. I've really helped me get past this thing in my, my day job. And, you know, over time, you, you sort of get this, this feeling like, wow, I'm actually helping other people than doing, you, you sort of feel bigger than, than yourself. That's what the a community is all about, you know, and, and over time, 
you know, you keep doing this, keep making connections, you know, getting followers on Twitter, meeting people on, on LinkedIn, and then you have all these online connections. And then you go to a tech conference and like, hey, I know you, I know you, I know you. And you start to have all this, this you start to grow uh, this kind of spider web of network. And you hear from people that there's one post, since I've been doing this for, for, for years now, there was even, I occasionally do talking about that, that one career blog post. As I was telling you before the podcast one, a lot of my posts have been how to do X or Y with tech product, whatever it is, more um, technical documentation. But occasionally I do um, career-related career related YouTube videos and blog posts. And one of the best parts of the tech community that I came up when somebody came up to me at a conference one time, it was about a post I did on anxiety and depression. Mental health is another big thing that I had struggled that I still occasionally struggle with or panic attacks and depression. So, you know, doing what I normally do, anything that comes up in my life, I will tend to write about it. Uh, I will write an explanation and then say, hey, here's some things that may help you. And one of the conferences, it was a few years ago, somebody came up to me and said, normally when, when somebody comes up to the conference, they say, thank you so much to do this. This uh, I learned how to write this thing with PowerShell or figure out how to do this thing with Microsoft or whatever. But this guy came up to me. And he was pretty, pretty solemn of what he, what he would, almost not in tears, but you could tell that it was a, a kind of an emotional thing for me. And I was kind of, you know, brought back a little bit. I'm like, because normally people are, you know, excited. We get to meet and talk and all these things about tech. And he said, um, you know, I really appreciate your blog. Um, I've learned a lot from your tech, but he said, I have to say the most important blog post that you, you wrote it for me that really impacted me was that blog post about anxiety and depression that you did. He said, he went on to tell me, I went through a bad time in my life, a bad stint. And really, I was actually thinking about suicide at one point. I mean, he went to, to that and he said, after, after I read your blog post and seeing how, you know, kind of vulnerable you let yourself and seeing how, you know, someone is, you know, as quote unquote successful as yourself, you realized, you know, I, you're right. You're completely right. You know, I can get through this. So that was the biggest impact of getting yourself out there and being a part of a community because that, you know, that one person, you never know what may have happened if he hadn't read my blog post. But that is the, the story, the experience that has really stuck out with me. And I've had those experiences a lot. I mean, you get to meet and learn all kinds of other things from other people in that community. But I mean, that, that sort of thing just re reiterates itself. The more you get involved, the more you meet, you know, uh, being a, a Microsoft MVP, get to go to the Microsoft campus every year. Well, used to these days. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, that's that's what it is. You, you realize that if you become part of a community, you realize that the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have could impact so many different people in so many different ways. You just have no idea you have no idea how many people you've impacted from a community like that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the human side of, of connecting mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. Yeah. It's yeah, like that's, that's, you put yourself out there and someone needed that. Yep. Yeah. That's the, that's the one thing that I never really had a problem with Un unfiltered mm -hmm. and vulnerable. You know, I could share my entire life. It, it doesn't matter <laughs> as long as I me, mean, as long as you help one person, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter to me. I'm not, not embarrassed. <laughs> Well, it's very brave and clearly you've had an impact beyond, mm -hmm. uh, beyond just the technical, right. And not, I don't mean just the technical, but <laughs> you know, th there's the technical and then there's the the personal and, you know, we're, we're humans and we bring both of those qualities exist. Do you have any words of advice for someone who 
you know, might be, you know, might be on the verge of starting a blog, but is maybe afraid, afraid to put themselves out there. Do you have any, any uh, words of encouragement for someone like that? Yep. Probably the biggest, the setback or the biggest blocker that a lot of people have when they're just starting a blog is that, well, people that's already been done. I've, that's the most common excuse that I hear a lot of people say, well, um, well, you've already got posts on this thing or Joe's Joe Schmo's already got uh, videos on this, this topic. And what I constantly tell people like that to where they think that it, it's already been done. is like, it's not about, um, it's not about the content that you write. It's about how you purposely, it's how you package it up. It's about putting your own spin on it and your experiences by it because everybody has different experiences. There's been plenty of times where I thought, I want to write about this thing and I do a quick Google search and there's a post that's close to it, but the post is, it reads really dry. It's just not step one, do this, step two, do this, step two, there's no kind of story written around it. I like to write stories around some of my blog posts of like uh, really incorporating personal experiences and different scenarios around that particular context. So it's like, you know, crafting a, um, uh, crafting a little, a little piece of, uh, I hate to say foo-foo, but kind of a piece of art. <laughs> mm-hmm. At some point, it's all about yourself. I mean, that's what coding is really. It's all about, you know, <laughs> doing it your own way. It's not cut and dry warners. It's not binary like that. It's more of putting yourself, writing it your way, putting your stories, your experiences into it. That's, that's one of the big things. Another thing is a lot of people say that you were, you were referring to was, uh, well, I feel uh, vulnerable. People are going to say I'm wrong or you know, they're going to make fun of me or something like that. And I tell them, yeah, it's, it is probably going to happen. It's happened to everyone. It will happen to everyone that ever writes anything on the internet. I, and, they're, and they're doing it anyways. So you might as well share what you know. <laughs> yeah. There's right? never, you'll always, that's when I come back to that blog post. You'll never hear about the 50 people that you helped with the blog post, you always hear about the one that was, you know, offended or that thought you were wrong, that thinks they're smarter than you. It always, always happens. But um, you know, if you you see the numbers, you see the the impact that you're having on the, the huge majority of people. It's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And you know, you know, I don't want to tell somebody that, yeah, it's never going to happen because it happens to 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 me multiple times. It's hell happened to you. It'll happen to everyone at some point because no one's going to specifically agree with you. It's about trying to kind of put put past those those uh, that negative uh, uh, those negative thoughts and that uh, you know and really having to imp- try having to impact your day and really realizing that the you are helping the huge majority of people just unfortunately not a lot of them are actually going to tell you how much they've helped. I think also it's hard when someone's starting a blog you know, you start and you write and then nobody reads it or responds and you're putting all this heart and soul and it's sitting there. So talk a little bit. I mean, you've had a number of different blogs on a number of different topics get pretty popular. What's the key to success there? I think the the key to success there is a few things. First and foremost, somebody just starting a blog, never think about anything, but just putting content out there. Don't worry about anything at all, because that's one of the things that help that stops people that over tend to overanalyze a lot is oh, what kind of blog do I need? Um, oh, do I need to worry about SEO? Um, what about these specific plugins that I need? Um, that's one thing that really stopped me for a long, long time because I'm trying, I tend to overanalyze everything and I have to get everything perfect. 
And that's what really stopped me for a very long time. Eventually, if you start um, writing posts, um, getting on Twitter, Twitter is a big, uh, big social media, probably the one for, for tech people. Um, and getting on there, sharing your blog, say, hey, um, on, go on a uh, subreddit, go where people that you think will enjoy your post. Go in there and say, hey, guys, I thought about, uh, I wrote this post, maybe it'll help some people. Um, and you, you try to, to spread yourself out as much as possible. And, you know, and start getting some people because eventually people will subscribe to your blog, maybe follow you on Twitter um, and whatnot. And eventually, once I started to do that for a few years, then I got more into um, uh, what is SEO? How do I get ranked in Google? And these days, Google is by far and away my biggest traffic source. And one of the reasons for that is because over time, you've kind of learned uh, because, you know, I, I am on the consulting side. I actually do what I write the huge majority of the time. So I know how to speak to that audience. Um, so I think the the writing is there, um, the way that the people like to read it. And plus, um, I'm getting I'm, I've been getting better at SEO and trying to, to rank in Google. And plus, one of the big things that really helped me out, if you're just starting out, was that this wasn't intentional, but it was writing articles on lots and lots of different sites. Because every lots of people say, I, I see your stuff everywhere. And it's just because I've had clients. I, I've written, I've been writing tech articles for, for years now. And I don't know how many dozens of different clients I have. But over time, instead of just focusing on my blog, I was able to spread myself out over many, many different web properties. And all everything links back, funnels back to my blog, which I called my home base, which kind of had the tentacles out there. And then once I kind of if you know work on their SEO or whatever juice that they have going to get people to see yeah, their stuff, expand your and then audience, they come back to your blog. Yep, mm-hmm. great, great. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to give a shout out to Kev Johnson, who saw a tweet of yours about this career post, and you were looking for a career podcast to, to share this with. And Kev recommended us at Real Job Talk. So uh, thank you, Kev. We appreciate it. And Adam, who should be looking to hire you and how can people find you? Well, I'm not really looking for any work at the moment, <laughs> but uh, they could they could definitely uh, come across me at adamtheautomator.com or I'm on Twitter at, at A.D. Bertram. Great. Well, thank you so much. We, we really enjoyed talking with you today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at realjobtalk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>